You 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 know I D I D in the D in the town all day. I D I D in the D in the S E A. You you know I D I D in the D in the town all day. I D I D in the D in the S E A. It's time to remember some years, and specifically this week to remember the year 1996, a year in which the Sonics went to the NBA Finals. Hello. Mrs. Fantasy Genius, tell us about your experience watching the song. No. <laughs> do you want? Do you Didn't just, watch. Do you just want the Trader Joe's wine, or do you want more of this beer? Both. Okay. <laughs> In true Pelton Cast fashion. <laughs> Why not both, Giff? Uh, yeah. Why don't you start us off with your memories of 1996? Uh, because where do I even start? <laughs> I was uh, doing some research. In my oh. memory. Okay. To try and jog my memory about 1996. And uh, I think it's important, before we go into the sports realm, to start with fashion. (laughs) Okay. It is. So, in 1996, I was um, the ripe old age of 11. I was 6th grade going into 7th grade. And some things that I remember... um, Fashion-wise, were my bangs. I had bangs that were, uh, oh, they took a long time every day. They stood out at least two to three inches from the forehead. (laughs) Otherwise, like, what's the point of having them? Of course. So, you know, you had to hair dry them. Then you had to curling iron them. And then you had to spray them with aerosol hairspray (laughs) so that they didn't move. And then you had to hope to God it wasn't windy. (laughs) Because if it was, the bangs lifted as a unit a la T-Boz. And then you took flight. And well, yeah, in theory, yeah. So that that was like a main concern is is how how were the bangs for the female sector. That's also the year I got my first Nike windbreaker. Oh my God. I don't know if either of you had one of those. I mean, that was a kind of a unisex type deal. I know mine had a. I think around blue around then would have would have been I got a Mariners windbreaker that Ooh. I wore for a solid eight years. People were breaking Ooh. a lot of wind in the mid nineties. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, it, it was it was like the highlight of my life. I also think I wore it way too long, but it was it was good times. It had like the nice um, elastic waistband, mm. so it billowed out over the top of the, <laughs> of the pants. It was great. I also had uh, my first pair of tearaways. Oh, nice. oh man, tearaway pants. Yeah. I don't think I got into those until a little bit later. <laughs> yeah, no, I was full on 1996. It was the tearaways. Um, I would wear boxer shorts under the tearaways just in case. So that Good just like Kevin here, if needed, I could just rip my <laughs> pants off and have on athletic shorts. Um, <laughs> people may not know. We don't people know may not know this, but it's certain, a thing. Very certain people do not know wow. this. Yes. Well, there's no better pl- time than now to discuss this. <laughs> it started a little later than 1996, but I do wear shorts Still? under my pants at all times. To time. this day? Yep. No better place than no here. Way. No better time than now. You, so, you didn't know that. I'm not wearing, wearing them right now. Here. Can I tell the listener <laughs> how this how I found this out? <laughs> because I just dropped it. <laughs> you straight up did. Like, I didn't have known you that long. <laughs> you came over to my house. You came into the living room. I think I was in grad school. I was like doing some homework. You dropped trowel. <laughs> and I was like, oh, holy shit. <laughs> and then yeah, you had on some athletic pants. And then you went and ran or something. I was like, okay, our, our, now I know. Now it's a thing. You were like, basketball prospectus is Kevin Pelton is stripping right here. Yeah. 
Yeah. I think that actually predated basketball perspectives, if we're being honest here. Could be. Anyway, so 1996 me also was able to. So I recognized a kindred nice. spirit there. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> the other fashion icon item that y'all might have also participated in, the Nike socks. Mm. I Yeah, I didn't get into Nike socks until like... So I started going to the Nike employee store, I think. Ooh. So it was very late. <laughs> oh, wow. Name, so, name, drop, name dropping. That, <laughs> yeah, I've never been in the Nike employee store, but that's all right. It was when I uh, <laughs> went in the Nike employee store. All right, all right. I took Anyways. my canless burger to the Nike employee <laughs> store. Right. It's just a burger. <laughs> <laughs> and I tore off my pants. <laughs> Podcast was a huge mistake. Oh Lord, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Um, At least Katie isn't here <laughs> too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> your diary. <Roasting. laughs> your diary. <laughs> you got made fun of today. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to the socks. Okay. <laughs> because not only did I wear one pair of Nike socks at a time in 1996, I began to wear two. Two, yeah. <laughs> because do I wear the white ones with the black swoosh or the black ones with the white swoosh? Why not both? Why not both? Much well, much what? like the the rogue in the rosé. Yeah. Why not both? Double fisting socks. It was a thing. <laughs> Pull one pair up a little higher, then let the other pair just kind of peek out. There you go. So, um yeah, we that call, that's we call like rogue's eh. <laughs> that's uh setting setting the tone setting the the fashion tone for 1996 yeah we haven't done much fashion on this on no that's good that's why, yeah. that's, that's why that's why i wanted here you're uh, welcome also since you made that breaking wind joke i checked austin powers was 1997 the original okay, austin we'll get powers. there we'll get there next yeah, week we'll remember that um okay now moving into the sport realm because i am on the pelton cast Fabulous Pilton cast. Mariners. So, in the year of 1996, I was, as, I mean, everyone should know, a diehard Dan Wilson fan. Of course. <laughs> How could one not be? I, uh, I had decided I was going to marry Dan Wilson. And uh, my good friend at the time, who shall not be named, decided that she was going to marry Alex Rodriguez, for better or worse. We don't need to cultural relativism of the time we don't need to think about that now but anyway we our plan was that we were going to um vault ourselves off of the 300 level of the kingdom (laughs) (laughs) and as we were falling because no security could catch us from that height or stop us we would be saved by alex rodriguez and dan wilson Did you just not even consider the possibility that Paul Sorrento would end up catching you? John Marzano. <laughs> we're we're going to get to that later. No, you're not going to jump when John Marzano's there. No. You're going to wait for it, Dan. You're looking at the schedule. You're going to wait. Yes. You're looking at the schedule. We were paying sure a lot of not. attention, probably not for the same reasons as you, but we were paying a lot of attention. So this was the plan. And then up, upon being caught. <laughs> could have been Russ Davis. Could have been worse. Oh, I mean, I probably would have crushed Russ Davis with my body. Sorry, Russ. <laughs> well, he, um, wouldn't, he wouldn't have caught you, as it turned out. Oh, no, <laughs> oh, wow. There's your, there's yes. your 96 rap memory. <laughs> Zing. Take that, Russell Davis. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, upon catching our gorgeous 11-year-old body, 
they would have fallen madly in love with us, left their partners, and it would be history. Soon enough, we realized. I mean, that definitely would be history. If <laughs> sure, sure. For, we realized for, this wasn't going to happen. I mean, we weren't like that dumb. So, what we decided to go for instead, with ourselves sitting at a 300 level, was Rob Ducey. Ducey, <laughs> <laughs> why? Well, he was Rob there. Ducey in so long. We were there. <laughs> he was bored. He listened when we called his name because nobody else hollered for Rob Ducey. I doubt they did. Also, no. there were not that many people in the outfield in 1996. Yeah. We were there too. Legit, it was just us hanging over there with our gloves thinking we were going to catch something. <coughs> and we would holler for you Rob Ducey. Catch <laughs> Rob Ducey. Yeah, I mean, you got to settle sometimes, right? <laughs> I swear to God, he turned around. He did uh-huh. one time. And then it was on. We were getting those $10 tickets every time we possibly could get someone to drive us there. And we were hollering at Rob Ducey. Wow. I have strong memories of 1996 of Jacob Brumfield when he was playing for the Blue Jays dancing in the outfield. And we were very excited about Jacob this. Jacob Brumfield? Yeah. No, I got nothing there. Wow. I mean, that's, a very, that's a very specific memory. But it, was, it may have been the game that would have been opposite Game 7 of the NBA Finals had, that, had it gone that far, which we were at. Does this make Rob AC Ducey in or out of the Pelton Cast Hall of Fame? <laughs> I think definitely in. <laughs> oh, damn. I mean, it sure meant a lot to me. I mean, damn you, Rob Ducey. It's not going to be like a real thing. You don't have to worry about him like coming to the introduction and sweeping Mrs. Fantasy <laughs> Genius yeah, away. No. <laughs> no. No, wait, wait. Ducey. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, and that's where I learned to set my sights in a more... Uh, Reasonable <laughs> place there. <laughs> she went down a few notches yeah. more, and then she got to you. Oh my god! That's my story about the Mariners. <laughs> Good times. The Mariners were in fact playing Toronto that night. I am correct right. about that. Yeah. Um, and then I have one more Mariners take, which I'm like gonna. <laughs> I like that you have takes. <laughs> well, of course, I have takes. Years after. I'm gonna break the rules a little bit. Okay. Please forgive me. Okay. The Mariners did that in 2002, 2004. 2000. <laughs> yes, they did. <laughs> they didn't break the The Astros broke the rules. You have to joke wrong, buddy. Because this is technically 1997. But 1997 is the year that every Sunday, the Mariners in the Seattle Times, there would be a full-size poster of a player. Mm-hmm. And I like lived for these posters. I feel like there was a Ken Cloud. Ah, in the yes. Wait, 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 wait. Oh boy, Just that's wait. the story. Yeah. So when I saw that there was Ken Cloud, I mean, come on, I'd moved on from Rob Ducey. I knew Dan Wilson wasn't happening. Ken Cloud was the one, right? Nice. So I got the poster. I put it on my wall amidst all the other, you know, my Lauren Hill posters, etc. There was this giant Seattle Times Ken Cloud poster. And then fast forward to. 2000, I don't even remember, 2006. 2006, decade yeah. later, yeah. I go into Tristan's room, and lo and behold, <laughs> in his childhood bedroom on the wall, still, is the Ken Cloud poster. Wow, to Ken Dark Cloud. Darth Maul, Ken Cloud. And I knew that was the way. <laughs> wow. That, that was, was the, the one. one. Huh? Yep. Wow. Thank you, Ken, Ken Cloud. Ken Cloud. <laughs> Who would have known that his season where he had it? It was 4-2 with a 5.12 ERA. <laughs> he was going to be something. We really thought so for a while there. We did. Man, he was worse than I thought he was. I'm on his, I'm on his baseball reference right now. 5.12 ERA, 6.37, and then 7.96 in 1999. 
I mean, I, uh, you know, the, a lot of mar- there was a lot of bad Mariners pitchers in that era. Look, you just you got to look at the whip where he was over two in 1999. You know what I recall being pretty depressing about the Mariners in '96 when they traded Darren Bragg for this pitcher on the Red Sox no one had ever heard of named Jamie Moyer. Oh, Jamie. That was depressing. Because we like Darren Bragg. I love Darren Bragg. Was that the, did they trade Veritech that year too? Derek Lowe and Jason Veritech? No, that was we'll get to that. Okay. <laughs> wow. We'll get Wait to for that. It. Okay, so for me, sports so Kevin mentions the finals, right? So, Sonic's played in the finals. This is because I want to talk about a sport that's gonna be relevant to you. We're gonna talk about the Sonics for a second. This is easily the most important year of our basketball lives, right? Both 95 and 96, as it were. The Sonics went 39-2 and two at home that year. Might have been 38-3, and three, but yes. Uh, I basically did not see a loss at home that entire season. No, that's the opposite. I didn't see a loss at home the entire season. You didn't see a loss in the regular season at home. I think they lost to the Knicks and the Pacers, if I recall correctly. There was the Sunday after... So we had... There was Thanksgiving, and then the Sunday after Thanksgiving, we did Pelton Thanksgiving at yep. our aunt and uncle's house, yep. and then we went directly to the Sonics Bulls game. I didn't. Jordan go. came back. Just this was me and Jan, the, and the Bulls were wearing their pinstripe jerseys, which we thought were the coolest fucking things on earth. They were slightly cooler than the Magic's blue pinstripe jerseys. And the Sonics beat the Bulls. I think Gary Payton got a steal from Michael Jordan at the very end of that game. That all checks out to beat the Bulls. Right. This was thrilling stuff. I'm pretty sure it's a Knicks and a Pacers lot. November 28th is the day I wanted that they had a loss. Is that right? November 28th against the Indiana Pacers. There correct. you go. See, I can still rival you with uh, random, <clears throat> random memories. But this was like the and so the, this was 90, the end of '95. But I'm counting it as the '96 season. I remember going to the first game at Key Arena, and there was McDonald's had four piece nuggets for like 89 cents. Oh, and, that was a big thing in 1996. It was 38 and three, by the way. They lost in overtime to the Knicks in January. And then also the San Antonio Spurs by one point in March. That may have been the game that both Bob Hill and George Carl were kicked out of. Oh, wow. Me and Dad went to that game, to the opening opening night, the first game at Kirina. Don't tell Jan. <laughs> yeah. In Jan's memory, she was there and is mad at me for even mentioning that I was there with somebody else. But... <laughs> And I remember so we sat next to the people that we had our tickets with for a chunk of years after that. And I'm like, hey, to Joseph Evans. And I'm like, hi, <laughs> you know, we have these seats here and they had season tickets next to us. And it was this like crazy moment where we met people that you maybe still interact with. We're still Facebook friends. Uh, I, he and I were the same age. So it was like a perfect match, I think. And there were so many moments that we had. There was the sweep against the Rockets in the second round. Um where <laughs> Joseph was in, he was not that much, not that old at the time, but an intimidating figure. And they gave out around rally towels. I think this was game one against the Rockets where we blew them out, right? And so we moved a seat back because 222 row 12 wasn't bad enough. We had to get to 222 row 13, which was the last row in the arena in the end zone. Like this was the year that we got season tickets to the Sonics. Yes. Which is pretty fortuitous. Sometimes I tell people that, and I'm like, yeah, we got season tickets in the year that they went to the championship. It wasn't like we were bandwagon fans, really. It was just like the new arena opened, and that was the time to do it. Well, there was an opportunity to do it because they added 7,000 seats. <laughs> like the old Coliseum was very, or 5,000 probably, but the, the old Coliseum was really small. And 
So we moved to row 13 for, I'm pretty sure, game one against the Rockets. And we're waving our rally towels around. And I'm a dumbass kid. And, like, hit the people who had moved into our seats in front of us. And there was a man who turned around and was just, like, yelling at me. And Joseph was, like, yelled back at this kid. And I was like, oh, shit. I was like, Joseph is holding it down against a grown man here. And it was like, that man wanted nothing to do with him. Uh, <clears throat> and then also, game seven against the Jazz, right? Coming back, winning that game, and the, the crowd not leaving after winning this Game 7 to go to the NBA Finals for the first time since 1979. Obviously the first time in our entire lifetimes. It was like, this was an incredible moment, and the team was just so likable. right? It wasn't like, there are times that teams are good, and you just you don't rally around them in the same way. But it's like, when you think of the Sonics, this is the Sonics. I feel like, I mean, the green and gold Sonics... Like the previous couple of years are in there too, but it's but, but there's sure, the Kemp Payton, there, Carl, Kemp, Payton, Shrimp, Hawk, Detlef. Oh, I said er- Shrimp, De- <laughs> Shrimp, and Sam, Detlef, Sam Big Smooth, George Carl on the sideline. It's like this was the last year, really, where it was like, and the next year they hung on or whatever. This was it. This was the peak of basketball, and maybe the peak of sports for our childhood. Yeah, I think quite possibly. So I didn't see a single loss during the regular season, but then during the playoffs, I did not see a single win. We sold a, uh, some of our tickets in the earlier rounds to you know try to cover the cost of season tickets. So you went to that Which game one against time the Rockets, four hundred dollars a ticket. <laughs> so little. Uh, the first, and then you went to at least one of the early games against Utah. So the first game I went to was Game Five against Utah, where they had a chance to close out and go to the finals, and instead lost in overtime. Then, in a story I may have recounted on the pod. Game three of the 96 finals of the finals against Chicago, the first game home game of the finals, our mom loses the tickets. We, she does not find them until halftime of the game or like the second quarter. We get there at halftime. By that point, the Sonics are already down double digits. They end up losing by 22. You go in game four where they win to extend the series. And it's supposed to be my turn to go in game five, but I just let you go because I thought I was bad luck. Pretty wild that you skipped an NBA it's, Finals game because of karma purposes. It really is. You're but like the Chiefs out. fan who left early and then the Chiefs came back and won the Super Bowl. <laughs> the, the ends justified the means. The Sonics you know won the game. You know what we forgot, and I think this was 95, was the NCAA tournament being in Seattle. Uh, the final four being the in final Seattle? four being in Seattle was that ninety five? It was because yeah, those guys were all rookies in ninety five. And you remember Jan had tickets to like the fan day or whatever fan fest, yes, fan fest, and she lost the tickets in a library book. And I remember her saying that she was praying to Saint Peter Francis, which is the one that there's one that's this patron saint of lost stuff. It's one of those two fuckers. Well, I guess it was Saint Jude, but yeah, uh, it's not Francis. That's animals. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> she was praying Al to taught me that whatever much. saint Catholics pray to <laughs> whatever young pope new pope old pope two popes they pray to <laughs> a lot of people are there's some idolatry around that young pope I hate to break it to you the spoiler alert for the new pope season and she found the tickets the fan fest tickets in a book or whatever right before Boy, I don't remember out. these being lost I only remember going and playing bump under the tutelage of Purdue coach Gene Cady there we go who's very stern figure. I remember Big Country was there. 13 years old. And oh, he would have yelled at you. I did a, a much more stern country I did a three-point contest at that point. It was, it was a good time. Okay, uh, so, St. Anthony is the patron saint of lost objects. All right, well, so James praying to whatever. 1996 was not defined by any of these things, though. Because 1996 was the most important 
Olympics year of our entire lives. Mm. Yeah, that's probably. Uh, I mean, Dream Team in '92 was pretty important. We didn't no, remember. No, we were too young. Mrs. Fantasy Genius. You were too young. I was in. It was a hot summer in Seattle, and we were sitting around watching, like everybody else in America, Atlanta, Georgia, and the '96 Summer Games. We were, and uh, the sport I was paying the most attention to is. Probably not the one you two were paying the most attention to. Was it gymnastics? It was gymnastics. Yeah, it Carrie Strug. It's the most important gymnastics. Carrie Strug, Shannon Miller, Dominic Morciano. Wow. These names ring a bell? Of course. It was amazing. Only Carrie Strug rings a bell. No. <laughs> it was hot, as, as you mentioned, super hot. We had nothing to do because, I mean, we were kids in the summer. But then when the Olympics would come on, it was like, there's something to live for. Like something exciting <laughs> happening in the summer. I'm legit not kidding. It was so exciting. We would like watch it on our tiny ass TV and we would watch, well, my friends and I would watch the gymnastics and then... Rob Ducey would come over. Because, <laughs> you know, the little waves and subtle hellos worked. No, no, there were no adult men coming over. It was just, well, we did actually at that time. Sorry, side note, but I have to share. We had this elaborate scheme to seduce the, the pizza man. <laughs> um, it involved... We had a lot of seduction schemes. <laughs> yes. We had very few seduction Playing, schemes uh, in 1996. The only song we knew on the piano was Chopsticks. But we had a piano in the front room where the you know front door was where the pizza man would come. And so we would practice our seductive chopsticks. And then we were going to seduce the pizza man. And then actually take all his money was the plan. But anyway. <laughs> the devious plan. This reminds me of uh, trying to sell popsicles, I think, with our cousin David. And he would do a recording of The Entertainer since he played the piano and then drag a wagon around or something and do oh, it. Oh, wow. so, I would have bought would that. drove around selling popsicles. I would have bought that for sure. Walked called? around. Probably Ken. right across from where I was. No, what's the name in the neighborhood, though? Not Candlewood Ridge. It's I don't know. The You're Forest, not Forest Estates, but the other one. Forest trails. So forest trails. Forest, forest trails. trails. We walked around this forest trails. This is very exciting for the Jeremiahs when they hear <laughs> yeah. about this. Right. We were in Boulevard Park. You were in Boulevard Park. We Sorry. were in Boulevard Park. Bo- Boulevard Lane. Okay. Me. Boulevard yeah, Lane. Fun in Boulevard Lane. No, it wasn't you Boulevard Park. You can't take Boulevard Park from us. We were in Boulevard Lane half the time, and half the time we were in <laughs> Dirty Dirty Cascade, which I can say because I'm from there. Dirty Dirty Cascade. Wow. It was kind of yucky, but I loved it. Anyway, so when we weren't trying to seduce the pizza delivery person. Back when the old Sunset Bowl was gone. <laughs> Oh. No, Skyway was there too. Skyway Bowl still is, but don't go there. Anyway, <laughs> back um, before they all turned into Hooters casinos and bowl. We were like a little bit old to be playing with Barbies, right? Because we were eleven. But after the gymnastics would be on for the Olympics, we had to reenact what was going on, and we did not have the skills to physically reenact this, like in the backyard. You know, like we couldn't do like a running race or whatnot. Like, there's no way we'd be flipping or doing any sorts of handstands or, or balance beams or whatnot. So pulled out the old Barbies. We'd reenact this with the Barbies in the front room until the next, like, gymnastics, whatever, floor routine or whatnot would come on. It was great. It was good times. Loved it. Also, really enjoyed watching the uh, horse racing that summer. Not horse racing. There was, like, steeplechase in the Olympics, dressage in the Olympics. Losing you, losing you. But it was great. There's... Um, equestrian events in the olympics that were just that you know made my heart sore at the time uh, well and then richard jewell like the, this 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 olympics had everything 
right? Like th there was drama around the Olympics. It was hot that summer. We were sitting around, like literally when you're a kid, the only thing you can do over the summer is you've got baseball on. So this is only like live action things. You've got baseball, all the TV is old and you just like ride bikes with your friends. And eat the popsicles that have two sticks. So can we talk, did we talk about this last week? I don't know what. Two stick popsicles. Uh, not specifically necessarily. Okay, I think maybe we're saving this for Mrs. Fantasy Genius. Because walk me through what flavors are the best flavors of the double stick popsicles. Well, everybody wants the double stick popsicles that are red. So mm -hmm. the cherries, the strawberries, the whatnot. Uh -huh. I enjoyed the bananas. So oh, I, you know, God. I kind of had. Well, of course, Kevin liked bananas. No, I <laughs> didn't like the bananas. I like bananas. Not the banana flavored popsicles. I want to be very He's clear about that. Chopping down on real bananas like a psychopath. <laughs> I had the monopoly on the banana popsicles because nobody else wanted them. But aside from those, people like the red, people like the purple, mm -hmm. then the green. Blue. Blue was all. There was no blue because we did not have a Costco card. So we were getting the, the Kroger whatever's. Like, there was no blue. Sad. Nobody wanted the orange. So we would do this thing. I did like the orange. It's true. Split. The orange popsicles. And so people would get one half of an orange and one half of a good flavor. <laughs> but you really can't split them very well. So somebody would get a good half and somebody would get a shitty half. And that, I mean, I just remember that being like, oh, God, I got the tiny ass half where the sticks hanging out. Man, this is what didn't happen at Sonora Town. <laughs> oh. That's a callback. That's a callback, folks. Oh, my God. You've got the casino games. Yeah, the, we, oh, talked, we no. should have gone into this last week with Katie. 96 was the first ever casino oh, Olympics. God. With us, the famous cousin Katie, and our other cousin Chris. Because we were all caught up in Olympic fever. We really That's were. That was, this was the most important Olympics. I don't even remember, I remember watching the Olympics you at don't? all. I don't? distinctly remember watching my, uh, so here's in our basement with our dad. With the, the board was still on the pool table. With your for, mom. Oh, yeah. Jan, Jan was there. <laughs> so I have two memories of the Olympics, and both yep. of them are not watching the Olympics. The night of the bombing, I'm pretty sure I was watching the Mariners were playing the Angels. Edgar Martinez got hurt playing third base. It was the last time he played third base. Oh, yeah, that was weird. Career. He was playing third base. Yeah. That was weird. Pretty awkward. And then also the Kerry Strug, the, like the final night of the gymnastics in the Olympics, I'm, I was at our cousin David's house. I remember that. And you were listening to the Moody Blues. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <yes>. <laughs> But we're enough in the car Olympic fever that we had the first ever Carcino Olympics, and the famous cousin Katie was the gold medalist, I believe. Ugh. We could have talked about this last Go week, Katie. I assume. Oh, she just had an age advantage. No, so did amazing. I. I mean, she was like slightly, she's slightly older than I am. But Boo. Katie's a powerhouse. <clears throat> so I was, the participants were me. I was 11. Correct. Yes, we were. Chris was also 11. Yes. And you and Katie were 14. That is correct. That's a huge difference. And he's a big advantage for did us. Did Google participate? I don't think he did. He was six at that point. Or five. He was not even yet six. He's wearing his rain boots. <laughs> Naked. <laughs> he participated in 2004 when we brought them back for the second time. And I, did I win that in 2004? I think Chris won. I don't remember. Have I never won a Carcino Games? You definitely didn't win in 2012 when we had a full, <laughs> when I can pull up the Tumblr for it. Oh, God. Don't share this time. Nobody Google Carcino Games. <laughs> Google Carcino Games. <laughs> I mean, that was like, so legit, many, do it. Try so it. References. I swear to God, I've been, I've been the most diversely athletic member of the Carcino family. You know what really hurts you? You always cheat. It's like half of the games in 1996 were, they were, I'm not the strongest swimmer. 
The, the swimming was a rough one for, for I Tristan. Was... <laughs> I mean, they, swimming. The famous cousin Kitty and Chris had a big advantage because they have this a pool. This is fucking bullshit. I was raised in Boulevard Park. Not a lot of swimming pools around. Learned how to swim in some lady's house who had a pool in her house that in is fucking correct. Boulevard Park. Where we once had your birthday party in 1993. Yeah. That's kind of weird. I mean, it wasn't in her house. It was at the pool. So but it, the pool was in her house. It was like connected, but it wasn't like... <laughs> like her family was just wandering she through. She had an indoor swimming pool in her house in Boulevard Park, Washington. It's very odd in many right? levels. Right? Isn't it across from the SeaTac Community Center? Which I guess it was SeaTac. No, it was not near there. It wasn't. No, I thought it was right by the SeaTac. It was closer Center. to 128th. Those are right next to each other. I guess no, no they're, they're not. not. <clears throat> okay. Your sense of geography has never been your strong suit. If you don't want to get wet, and there's a pool situation happening, and Tristan is swimming. You need to back up. <laughs> because there is so much splashing. And there is so much frantic movement. I mean, he gets across the pool. But it's a spectacle. It's not elegant. I love you. And you get the job done. It's not elegant. But it's not elegant. Should we talk music? In 1996, well, we before we get to here. music, because I feel like that's what we're going to wrap it up with, which I just, I, I can't be done with 1996 yet. <laughs> this is a terrible idea for a segment. We're doing two-hour podcasts every week. best segment. Is the listener hanging in there? I, I hope so. Is there a way to tell that? Probably not. Well, these are not live. <laughs> <laughs> we're not, it's not like... <laughs> No, I mean, like, who's, like, like, skipping through? We've gone Instagram live and people are falling off. (laughs) They said we wouldn't go live on a a Tuesday Tuesday night. night. To my 501 followers. And that movie is Independence Day. Oh, yes. Wow. I swear to God, burned into my soul is when the spaceship is hovering over the town and first shoots down the, like, ray of explosion or whatever, it's like seeing that and then there's just, like, fire coming at you. I think it's on the White House, right? Yes. That is the coolest shit I've ever fucking seen. And then Randy Quaid saying, I'm fly, I'm pilot, and you're just like, kill me. This is what this is what cinema is. <laughs> Oh, Martin, Scar- Martin Scarcity. Gotta take your that jacket off for this one. Independence Day is the height of cinema. Uh, my mem- my main memories of Independence Day. Number one, uh, the the playing of the song, the end of the world as we know it, at the beginning of the song, the uh, yeah. REM. And then there's the- a cat running around there in like a little lab. And then number two, the like the visual of the alien like coming up against the the oh, glass. God, that shit that was terrifying. Ter- so many nightmares Ooh. about that. Like anytime I looked outside in the during the night, like, that psh, entire summer, right there, thought that was going to be out there. Yeah. Wait, it was ninety six? Wait, what year was it? What did you injured your your knee? Uh, that was I was in sixth grade. Okay. So yeah, that'd be ninety six. No, it would have been ninety right. seven. If nope. it was after it sixth grade, ninety six. No, no, it was when. It, oh wow! So that was. I just Googled. I did my research. We are the same age. It was ninety six. <laughs> you crunched the numbers. I, I just Googled 1996 in film. But Tristan's three years behind me. I was in sixth grade in 94, like graduated sixth grade in 94. So it was, depends if it was after sixth grade or before sixth grade. I think grade. the Sonics were in the finals in my sixth grade year, though. Yep. Because in 96, we were going from, going from sixth grade into seventh grade. Summer, that summer. Yes. And I'm pretty sure we were playing. But we're three years apart. I know how many years apart we are. I don't know. Anyway, do you want to know? Oh, what... I'm not. I'm a different grade. Worldwide gross. 
gain almost double the number two film of the year. Independence fucking day. Because it is the greatest movie ever made. Wow. Should we make our children watch this? No, it'd be terrifying for them. Do you think Luca can handle watching a movie about aliens? No. Him, if he's overhearing us talking about this right now, he's probably freaking out. You know he is, too. He's probably sitting on the stairs. $817 million worldwide gross. Twister, like a piece of shit movie <gasps> it is. Twister. $494 million worldwide gross. Call me when you have a global star like Will Smith in your film. <laughs> okay. Before we get to our good friends at hiphopgoldenage.com. It's the year return of the Mac. I mean, <sighs> literally the greatest song ever recorded was recorded in 1996, excluding nobody. Certainly the best karaoke song, that's for sure. Ooh. Amazing. The greatest song ever recorded. Full stop. Mark Morrison. You may read his Wikipedia page about how he paid somebody else to go to his civil duty cleaning up garbage or whatever <laughs> after he was arrested. None of that matters because Mark Morrison, he didn't have a second hit. You don't want Mark Morrison to have a second hit because he recorded the greatest piece of music that has ever been recorded in Return of the Mac. It is timeless. Yep. No disputes? No disputes. All right. You better be number one on Hip Hop Golden Age's 1996 list. I'm getting very upset at Hip Hop well, Golden Age. I will tell you, there's one song that dominated dominated the airwaves more than Return of the Mac did. This was we used to, we hypnotize. No, no. Hypnotize was 95. This this song defined our childhoods. Was it on the Heavy Seven at Seven? It was. It was the Heavy Seven at Seven. <laughs> This Did was, I get it for my one cent 10 CDs from the BMG Music Club? <laughs> I'm which sure, I did for the first time that year. I'm sure. Because, never did. I don't know how I was legally allowed to do that, but I legit did that. That's the crossroads. Oh. We won't be lonely because we've got the crossroads to keep us company. This was like, it was one of the songs that it, we might not have loved it, Yes, we did. I'm saying we might not have loved it as much as we loved Return of the Mac. Okay. Mm. Return of the Mac is an important song. Crossroads was the most famous song at an assembly. I'm pretty sure I was in sixth grade. Maybe I was in fifth grade. I, I, well, 1996 would have extended to your sixth grade year. It was at a Nova assembly at Valley View with a bunch of kids, and we dressed up, and we came out and did like a little skit as a group called Eardrums and Harmony. Okay. <laughs> Bone Thugs and Harmony mattered. No one's disputing that. Number two, we have Ghostface, Ghostface Killer with All That I Got Is You featuring Mary J. Blige. Mary. You, you're going to love this one. I Ain't Mad At Ya. <gasps> yes. And I believe Can I Get that's Your not, Phone Number. That's not how it's Oh, no, Can I Get Your Phone Number. <laughs> <laughs> we have to see what your All Eyes On Me came out. I think that was 96. I definitely got that in my BMG pack. <laughs> <laughs> Not all eyes on me film. No, get out of here. Oh, you need that to same ambiguation page. Oh yeah. Can we talk a little bit more about can I get your phone number? <laughs> Feel free. It's an amazing song. It's an entire song. About getting someone's phone number. But there's no other information. 
And it works. All Eyes on Me, 1996. Yes. One of the greatest rap albums ever recorded. So, oh, sorry. <laughs> Number 13 on disc one, book one, as it's called. All Eyes on Me, we have I Ain't Mad at You. And then the one, two, it goes, California Love, I Ain't Mad at You. Bam, what's your phone number? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Going in you strong. All hyped. That's when you try to get the phone featuring number. Featuring the legend Danny Boy, who's also on I Ain't Mad at You. Okay. Imagine that. Number four, If I Ruled the World by Nas, proving that he wasn't a one-hit wonder with Elmatic. And number five, we've got De La Soul with Stakes is High, a track we did not know nope. in nope. 1996. Nope. Uh, another song where we eventually knew who they were, but Elevators, Me and You by Outkast. Call Me When Rosa Parks is on Cube 93. <laughs> so wait, I where just, is Wasn't that the back? album with, with the boobs on the cover? Yes. Of which one? Outkast. Outkast? Oh. Yep. Uh, no, it's on Southern Playlistic Cadillac Funky Music. Yep. We also have... It's I'm the Green Lady. I'm pretty sure... I wasn't supposed to look at that one. <laughs> that 1996 is the year of the Fugees. Yes, it was, because Lauren Hill poster next to Ken Cloud. Yeah. Lauren Hill was before Ken Cloud on my wall. So, look, Ken Cloud look, was 97. <laughs> Cloud may have ranked some other songs ahead of this, but the Fugees in general and the score definitely dominated 1996. And that's when I started wearing my boxer shorts that I always had under my tearaways, I just go ahead and pull them up and let them peek out <laughs> from underneath the tearaways. And then I would start putting my men's jeans over them because I was like, if Lauren Hill can pull this off, scrawny looking white girl, me definitely can pull this off. It's a bad look. I distinctly remember being in the Costco. We were leaving Costco. The thing about Costco that's so cool. Is I'm that, so sad I missed Costco. It hasn't. It didn't have a Costco court. It hasn't changed. It hasn't changed. Like I could drive out of the Costco. Well, the Fourth Avenue Costco has changed because they've got the self checkout now. Wait, I mean, what? Yeah, they've got self checkout. I never get out of the house, so I don't know this. I'm, but the Costco parking lot always feels like the Costco parking lot. Like 100%. when was the last time that shit changed? I remember driving out of it with Jan in a Dodge Dynasty or a Camry <laughs> or something, and or a Cadillac. Right? What car do you think it was? It was probably a purple be, Dodge Dynasty. Could be either of those. It was a Dodge Dynasty Maroon. that would overheat and you'd have to roll the windows down or turn the heat up. Driving to a Mariners game. You turn the heat up when it's overheating. And oh, Man, so many jams off the score. The first time that we heard Killing Me Softly was they're they were playing it like early in the run on Cube because we were listening to Cube every day. So like I knew generally all day things every were day starting to be played on there. And I heard it with Jan in the car and I was just like, what is this? Because it didn't sound like anything else on Cube. Doesn't even necessarily sound like anything else on the album. At no point did Lauren Hill ask for your phone number. <laughs> no. Did your mom say she's stealing that song? Because mine sure No, you think Jan's heard of Roberta Fleck? My mom was like she stole that song. <clears throat> Jan, Jan was hearing that track for the first time ever. I agree. How is California Love at number 25 on hiphopgoldenages.com? I have some questions about hiphopgoldenage.com. Well, they're good friends. <laughs> <laughs> Are they? California Love, though, I do remember Heavy 7 at 7. John Roddy was just like talking to us. And he was like, hey, there's a track that like 
we all need to hear. We turned on the heavy seven at seven. And it was I would wait one. for the heavy seven at seven. We would sit around in the hot, hot summer with our two stick popsicles waiting. It's wild because they only played seven songs on regular rotation. Yeah, so we knew all the heavy seven because it was the same seven as all day long. <laughs> they didn't call it the light seven at seven. It was the heavy seven at seven. You're thinking of the Clem and I cover. Nope. We didn't think else in 1996. <sighs> what about Real McCoy? That was like a big one in my life. McCoy. <laughs> oh, it was on AT Aliens. AT Aliens, yes. Sorry, not Southern Playlist kind of like funky music was like earlier. Right. 94. AT Aliens. But there's still this. This is the cover of AT Aliens. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. The Green Lady. No. No. You know the AT Alien, so back the hell up off. I mean, Another Night came out in 1994, so. I feel like that was. Another night, another dream of. Run, oh, away, wow. was, Run away was also 1994, so I, yeah, I don't know about this one. Maybe that just came in my BMG music pack a little late. Yeah, I mean, could be. You know. They did, do not appear to have put out any, any music in 1996. Their success was at their peak in 1994. 94, 94, 95. <laughs> all right, all right. I was late on that. <laughs> I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for ele- an el- elevator. <laughs> Just an elevator? <laughs> Wait, wow. I'm trying to think. I know what you're talking about, but I can't th- pick, think of what it is from. I feel like we might need to move on since we're well past the hour. Oh, now. God. But that's the single artwork for elevators. There's an ATL in. I mean, we've thoroughly remembered 1996. Okay, look, we Next don't week. need to talk about sports. Next okay. week, 1997. All right.